I'm Avery Ross, and welcome back to Avery After Dark. This week, we are breaking down the mysterious drowning of big-time actress and movie star Natalie Wood. This case involves names and people who you will probably recognize, and I want to talk about it because I find everything about what happened the weekend of her death so incredibly suspicious, and I want to see if you all get the same feeling as I do. Before we get into Natalie's final days, let's discuss Natalie herself because she was a really talented and interesting person. Natalie Wood was born in 1938 in San Francisco, California, and was one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood. She starred in the 1947 Christmas classic Miracle on 34th Street when she was only 11 years old, and this kicked off a bustling acting career for her. She reached stardom at a young age, but since Natalie was a young girl, she had a fear of dark water, so oceans, lakes, anything like that, because a fortune teller that her mother took her to told Natalie that she would die one day of drowning, which is eerie when you find out how Natalie met her end, but also, what a horrible thing for this fortune teller to tell this young girl. Natalie's mother apparently egged on this fear in a lot of ways, and it developed into a full-blown phobia for her. It got so intense as a kid that Natalie reportedly was afraid of even showering or washing her hair. I mean, bless her heart, that's horrible. She was having reoccurring nightmares and all around was just petrified. She avoided water and didn't learn or like to swim. I think we can all attest to how scary things can be as a kid, whether it's the monster in your closet or underneath your bed. But imagine someone telling you that you were going to die in this kind of way as a kid. I would have been terrified. Are you kidding? Makes you wonder if this fortune teller truly saw this in her future or just spoke this horrible event into existence. Or was it just a bizarre coincidence? It's strange either way, but this will play into what happens later on in her life. Growing up, Natalie successfully transitioned from being a child star to an adult actor, which isn't always the case as we've seen, but she really did have a pretty phenomenal career. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in the 1955 hit Rebel Without a Cause alongside James Dean. She went on to star in West Side Story and a bunch of other classic films. On Natalie's 18th birthday, she went on a first date with actor Robert Wagner, who was 26 at the time. Robert Wagner, born in 1930, was also an actor in Hollywood. He became known for his roles in TV shows like Heart to Heart, and later on his roles in the Austin Powers trilogy of films, the two dated and ended up getting married in 1957. Natalie and Robert were initially thought to be a pretty good match. Here are these two actors, they have a lot in common professionally, and they were a good-looking couple. But like we see all too often with Hollywood duos, it wasn't long before the marriage started to derail. There were many rumors about the two of them getting into huge fights, and one of the stories that was circulating was that Natalie reportedly found Robert cheating on her with a man. The story goes, in 1961, Natalie was taking a summer break from filming Splendor in the Grass when she came home to surprise Robert. But to her surprise, she reportedly found and caught him in an affair with a male staffer. 
And this wasn't the only kind of rumor that swirled about Robert Wagner's sexuality, as there had been quite a few stories about his relations with both women and men. But the two separated shortly after this and divorced in 1962. Natalie ended up remarrying another man by the name of Richard Gregson in 1969. He was a British talent agent and film producer, and they had a daughter, Natasha, in 1970. But again, that marriage didn't last long, and the couple split up in 1972. I know that divorce rates across the U.S. are fairly high, I would say, but Hollywood takes the cake. I can't... Every time I turn on the TV, it's a new couple getting a divorce, and they've only been married for a year or like two years. And they're like, we just grew apart, grew apart. You've, you, you've barely grown. It's been a year. I'm all for if the relationship is just over or there's things that have happened that are just, there's no coming back from. I do think divorce is sometimes the best option for people, but there's some folks out here that are on their fourth, fifth, sixth marriage and it's kind of like uh maybe it's you maybe you're the problem boo boo but I've always just found that to be odd so get this the same year that Natalie divorces Richard Natalie remarries Robert Wagner oh good lord the question that's probably flashing in your mind right now is why When asked about their reunion, Natalie stated that maybe some of the problems in her first marriage to Robert were rooted in the fact that she didn't know who she was yet. Becoming famous at such a young age, she said people always told her what to do and she didn't really know herself, but stated that she had matured and knew herself much better now. On the other hand, Natalie's sister, Lana, who was also an actress, was interviewed after Natalie's death and said that when she asked Natalie why she would remarry Robert, Natalie reportedly told her, quote, sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So outwardly, Natalie's kind of taking the fall for the marriage failing the first time around, placing blame on herself and her lack of knowing who she was, her immaturity, but privately to her sister, She is referring to Robert, her husband, as a devil. Kind of like keep your friends close and your enemies closer type of comment. During their second time around, they had a daughter named Courtney in 1974. And it was said that during their second marriage, Natalie was really trying to get busy working in film again. As a child and teenager, she was in hit after hit. And she was supposedly looking to make a comeback in the industry after taking time off to have kids. We see this a lot when actors take time to themselves or are spending time with their families. Their careers can stall quite a bit as they aren't out there auditioning or filming every day. And Natalie really loved acting, so this would make sense that she wanted to jump back into it. But in the marriage, Natalie was reportedly very suspicious of Robert's relationship with his co-star, Stephanie Powers, on the TV series Heart to Heart. So here we go again. Round two of this marriage, and shocker, 
this couple is having trust issues and jealousy issues again. So we have now arrived at the weekend in question. On November 28th, 1981, the weekend after Thanksgiving, Natalie and Robert invited Christopher Walken, another name you may recognize, for a cruise on the couple's luxury yacht. Natalie and Christopher Walken had been filming together on the science fiction movie Brainstorm and had become close, so she invited him aboard their yacht named The Splendor for a weekend of cruising along the coast of Catalina Island. Catalina Island is one of California's Channel Islands and sits southwest of LA. It's a resort town and a lot of people go there for vacation or a fun day trip. So the three of them, along with the ship's captain, Dennis Deverne, took off for the weekend on November 27th. For some reason that has never been clarified, Christopher Walken's wife didn't join him on the weekend trip, which will make sense when you hear this next part. Dennis Deverne had been the captain for the couple's yacht for years and knew Natalie and Robert really well. They considered him almost like family, and he had an interesting take about the relationship between Natalie and Christopher Walken. Dennis claimed that Natalie was pretty infatuated with Christopher. During the filming of their movie, she reportedly developed some pretty strong feelings for him. And Dennis said that Robert even flew out to their film shoot to check on things and make sure that the two weren't getting together. So Natalie invites this man, who she reportedly has feelings for, on a cruise with her and her husband. Hmm, okay, I don't really get that, but onward. So during the trip, the four of them were drinking quite a bit. And by quite a bit, I mean quite a lot. The very first night of the trip, Natalie and Robert reportedly get into a huge fight, yelling and screaming at each other, and Dennis said that he was worried about Natalie's well-being. So he and Natalie left the yacht that night. They hopped on the yacht's dinghy and went to stay at a hotel for the night. The two reportedly stayed in the same hotel room and drank wine when they got there, leaving Robert Wagner and Christopher Walken alone on the yacht. Dennis was apparently pretty protective over Natalie, and this evening can be viewed in two ways. One, he's being a good friend and removing her from a situation that could turn volatile with Robert. Or there's something going on between them. Just seems odd for a wife to leave her husband to go stay in a hotel room with another man. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So the next day, Natalie and Dennis returned to the Splendor, where Christopher Walken reportedly really wanted to continue on. So Natalie said she would stay for the trip as well. Okay, this again is so strange to me. If I were a guest on this trip, I would gauge the fact that this couple is having some major domestic issues. So much so that Natalie is leaving the yacht on the first night. Who wants to be around a couple that's sitting yelling and fighting with each other? Not me. I would have packed up the next morning and been ready to bounce. I'm sure we've all been around friends or family who are fighting with their spouses. And most times you really truly just want to get out of there. But for some reason... Christopher Walken wants to stay, so Natalie says, okay. 
So Christopher and Natalie went into town that afternoon and began drinking together at a local restaurant called Doug's Harbor Reef. Dennis and Robert joined them later on in the day, and the waitress was interviewed later on and said that the group drank two bottles of wine, two bottles of champagne, and numerous cocktails while there. That waitress also stated that Natalie seemed to be in a bad mood while she was there, she didn't eat much, and stumbled out of the bar when they were leaving. Sadly, this would end up being Natalie's final dinner. And now, just a quick word from today's sponsors. So the captain, Dennis, said that Christopher and Natalie seemed very flirtatious with each other at the restaurant. The group hopped back on the dinghy after drinks and dinner and got back onto the yacht around 10 p.m. that evening. Once they all get back on the boat, things take a volatile turn once again, which isn't surprising as the group was probably pretty intoxicated. Christopher and Robert reportedly got into an argument about politics. Then Dennis said Robert shifted his anger and cracked a wine bottle over the table at one point in a jealous rage over Natalie and Christopher's relationship. This cracked wine bottle was found on the yacht, but Robert initially told police that it had knocked over because of the rough seas, not by him. So during all this fighting, Christopher Walken reportedly removed himself from the situation and went back to his room on the boat for the rest of the night. He isn't really heard from again. Robert's account was that Natalie too left and went to bed out of frustration. When he went to check on her an hour later, he claimed she was missing. At some point that night, Natalie Wood went overboard. Two witnesses in a nearby boat heard yelling coming from the Splendor around midnight. One of the witnesses said he heard a woman yell, Help me, someone please help me. They also said they heard a man's voice say in a mocking tone, Okay honey, we'll get you. Around 1.30am, Robert and Dennis make a distress call to the Coast Guard saying that Natalie was missing from the yacht. Suspiciously, this call was made an hour and a half after those witnesses heard a woman screaming for help, which if they could hear this from their boat, members aboard the Splendor should have almost certainly heard these screams. It wasn't until the next morning when Natalie Wood was found just before 8 a.m. on November 29th, floating dead face down a mile from their yacht. She was only 43 years old. The dinghy was found just a bit further south. The gear in the dinghy was set to neutral, the oars were locked, and the ignition was off, indicating that the dinghy could have never even been started. Natalie was found wearing a long nightgown, blue wool socks, and a red down jacket. The autopsy reported substantial bruising on her arms and lower legs, as well as a cut on her cheek. The coroner also reported that she had seven to eight glasses of wine before her death, and her blood alcohol level was 0.14. Police interview the three men about what happened, and they all initially tell authorities that she must have gone over accidentally, and Natalie's death was ruled as an accidental drowning. The chief medical examiner claimed that Natalie likely fell into the water while trying to untie and board the dinghy in an attempt to leave the boat and drowned. Robert told police that Natalie must have wanted to get away from the fighting so bad she tried to leave in the middle of the night, alone, and fell and drowned. 
And get this, Robert also made a fleeting comment once that Natalie may have actually been leaving to go to another party and said that that was the kind of woman she was. Needless to say, many didn't believe that at all. She was alone, drunk, shoeless, and in her nightgown. And many were not convinced that her death was an accident at all. The circumstances surrounding that entire weekend and their marriage led many to think of a much more sinister scenario. Along with Natalie's fear of water, Lana Wood, Natalie's sister, said, quote, My sister was not a swimmer and did not know how to swim, and she would never go to another boat or to shore dressed in a nightgown and socks. So everyone is looking to these three men aboard for answers as to what happened that night. And like I said, they initially all said, oh, well, she must have fallen in accidentally. But over time, their stories changed. The problem is, the only accounts of that night are from Robert himself and Dennis, and they are vastly different. Christopher Walken claimed he was asleep in his room the entire time. And also, Dennis waited until 2011 to come forward with a lot of the information that he observed that night. But a lot of the details he has told police match a lot of the evidence found in the case. According to Captain DeVern, that evening he heard Natalie and Robert in a huge argument. We knew there was fighting that night, but he said he heard a physical altercation so loud he could hear it from all the way upstairs. He said then there was silence, and later... Robert re-emerged upstairs around 11.30 p.m., reportedly really sweaty. He then told Dennis that Natalie was missing, but not to turn on the floodlights or engine to look for her as he didn't want to alarm people nearby. What? Again, this is Dennis's account of what he heard and saw that night, but many can't find a reason for Dennis to make this up. On the other hand, some do think it's strange it took him so long to come forward. Many question why he didn't just tell the truth from the beginning. But Dennis has claimed in the years since that he believes something malicious happened to Natalie and doesn't think that she would go out on a dinghy alone. He believes that she would have asked him to take her as they did the night prior. Again, Christopher Walken always said that he was in his room the entire time that all this went down, and Robert Wagner has always maintained that he had nothing to do with Natalie's death. Strangely, in 2009, Robert Wagner changed his story about what happened that night in his autobiography. He actually admitted to smashing the wine bottle and gave a detailed account of what he believes happened to Natalie. Almost too detailed. He gave a step-by-step -step of what Natalie must have done, how she fell into the water, and what an accident it was. Some have compared Robert's overly detailed account of what happened to Natalie to O.J. Simpson's book, If I Did It. It's like, hey, here is every elaborate detail and play-by-play -play of what happened to my wife, but I had nothing to do with it, and I wasn't involved. It's a tad suspicious. In 2011, Natalie's case was reopened. Police had Dennis DeVern's account of that evening and the witnesses from the nearby boat stating that they heard a woman screaming for help and a man's voice mocking her. These witnesses do believe that these voices were Natalie and Robert. 
In 2012, the L.A. County's coroner's office changed Natalie's cause of death from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. With this change, the coroner's office re-examined the evidence from Natalie Wood's body and stated that the bruises found on her were more than likely sustained before she fell into the water. They also stated that Natalie looked like a victim of domestic violence. This right here changed the case. Her death was no longer ruled an accident, and now they believe that those bruises were sustained while she was still on the boat. This evidence contradicts Robert's account. In 2018, Natalie's case was reclassified as suspicious, and police officially named Robert Wagner a person of interest in Natalie's death. He refuses to talk to police for the most part, and so many of us want to know, what does Christopher Walken say about all this? I mean, he has to know something, right? He was right there, merely feet away on the very same boat. Walken has made few comments on the case, but he did tell People Magazine in 1986, quote, I don't know what happened. She slipped and fell in the water. I was in bed then. It was a terrible thing. Look, we're in a conversation I won't have. It's a fucking bore. A bore? I mean, this is your friend. That is pretty harsh and shocking that he would say this after Natalie drowned. I understand not wanting to maybe discuss the case with the press, but that's different than dismissing it as a quote-unquote bore. Beyond that, he really hasn't said much, just that it was an accident and that he doesn't get why people aren't satisfied with that. My question is, if you were completely asleep and unaware of anything that happened that night, like he's told police numerous times, how can you be certain it was an accident? How can you be certain of anything involving what happened? It's just strange to me that he is so on the side of it being this accident and wanting people to let it go when he himself said that he wasn't there for any of it. I suppose if it were me and I woke up on a trip to find something suspicious happened to my friend, I would most likely be like, well, I was asleep, so I can't comment either way, but it should be investigated to the fullest extent. Again, we have never gotten an answer why Christopher's wife, Georgianne, didn't come along on the trip that uh, would have made more sense as it would be more of a double date type weekend. But who knows? Maybe she was busy. I'm not accusing Christopher Walken of anything, but I do think that some of the comments that he's made since this tragic death have been strange. I'll just say that. But at the end of the day, Robert Wagner was the last person to see Natalie Wood before she died. His story of that night has been inconsistent, and he's refused to speak with investigators. To be frank, Robert's story just doesn't match what the other witnesses saw that night. Robert claims he feels responsible for Natalie's death in the sense that he should have noticed that she was gone sooner. But again, this doesn't ring consistent with him coming up and telling Dennis to not search for her or turn on the floodlights. Despite all this, the couple's children have stood behind Robert and believe he would have never hurt Natalie. As of today, no charges have been filed against Robert Wagner, and Natalie's case remains unsolved. 
Robert, on the other hand, remarried in 1990, and he splits time between Aspen and L.A., so it seems like he has lived a pretty comfortable life. He is now 92 years old. Lana Wood, Natalie's sister, has been extremely vocal in the media about her sister's case and how she believes it was mishandled from the start. She's gone on shows like Dr. Phil and stated that she believes Robert is withholding information about what happened to her sister. Given the state of their marriage, the fighting, jealousy, and tension, Lana believes their fight went too far that night. I think when I look at cases, I like to sometimes break it down to the logistics. And with this case, bottom line... Three men and one woman went out to sea that weekend, and the woman ended up dead floating face down in the Pacific Ocean. If I were to put myself in Natalie's shoes, my husband claims my death was my own accident, and my boat's captain and good friend waited years to tell the truth, and my supposed friend and co-star, Christopher, regards my case as a bleeping bore and doesn't talk much about it. You know, I gotta say, that's, uh... Pretty devastating. I think the only shot we'd have at finding out what happened would be some kind of deathbed confession, and who knows if we will get that. It's such a sad and tragic case. I hope Natalie is at peace now. And all in all, this has gone down as one of the most mysterious stories that has ever come out of Hollywood. I would love to know y'all's thoughts in this case. Make sure you're following along on all the Avery After Dark social media networks. I'm linking all those below so you can stay up to date on all the new cases and stories I post. I appreciate you all so much, and I can't wait until next episode. Have a great week, guys.